Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. My life flashes in front of me as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene, and they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind, and I was 11 years old, and I was kneeling at a uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life. Have you ever wanted to be in the movies? Like to see yourself on the big screen? Well, guess what? One day you will. Your life will be replayed. The movie of your life will be shown. And that doesn't need to cause you fear. I mean, if that creates anxiety in you right now hearing that, I hope that by the end of this message, you'll realize that the movie of your life, your life review can be a source of great joy and reward. Now, as long as you are here on this earth, God has you here for a purpose and you can fulfill that purpose. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. How do you actually do that? If you're just joining us for the first time, we've been in this series called What's After Life? And I would encourage you to go to our hillcountry.life sermon archives and go back and listen to where we've been so far in this series. We've been talking about the similarities of near-death experiences. And this is where people clinically die and yet modern medicine resuscitates them. And they speak of what is after this life. A man by the name of John Burke has written a New York Times bestseller called Imagine Heaven. And in this book, he documents the results of 30 years of studying near-death experiences. Burke has analyzed over a thousand of these near-death experiences or what they call NDEs. And it's amazing how many commonalities they share, not just with each other, but even more fascinating is how these experiences line up with what God has revealed in the Bible going all the way back to the beginning of human history. Well, so far in this series, we've taken a look at the scientific evidence for the afterlife. And then we looked at the beauty of the life to come and how God is a God of light. God is a God of love. And we've talked about the fact that people who've had these near-death experiences never want to leave God's presence. And today, we're going to talk about how oftentimes 
in this God's presence, they get a life review. Now, what is this life review? Well, let's talk about this. First of all, we have to answer the question, is the life review the same as the judgment that the Bible talks about? Well, actually, the Bible talks about two judgments, one for unbelievers and one for believers. The one for unbelievers doesn't come until the very end of human history. In Revelation chapter 20, it says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. See, this is the judgment for unbelievers. Now, the judgment for Christians, for believers, is called the Bema Seat Judgment. And it's described over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Writing to Christians, the Apostle Paul compares the works we do in building our life to various materials used in construction. And he says this, anyone who builds on that foundation, that's the foundation of Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus, may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So you can see here that all the people, the builders, as Paul calls them, will be saved. They're Christians, but only the good works we do will be rewarded. So those are the two judgments described in the Bible. And they come at a particular time, what Paul calls the, the judgment day, later on in human history. But this life review we're going to talk about today, it happens when these people have a near-death experience. So this is not the same thing as the judgment day. But what it seems to be is a preview of that day. I believe it's actually a gift that God is giving to these people. And I believe it's a reminder to us as well to live our lives for what God has always said matters most. To live our lives for what lasts eternally, not just temporal stuff here on earth. And from people's testimonies, it seems this life review has a profound impact on people who have had these near-death experiences. It clarifies to them what God cares about. It shows them how much relationships rather than accomplishments matter to God. Now, different life reviews happen in different ways. You know, some see it flashing before them at the instant of their death. Like Ian McCormick, he was in an ambulance, he was dying, he was on his way to the hospital, and he said his life flashed before him. Another individual, Gary Wood, said that at the time of his car crash, quote, my whole life passed before me in a millisecond. And there was no confusion about what just happened. Then I left my body and was up above the car. So sometimes the life review happens as the person is dying. But more often, it happens in the presence of this God of love. God shows people their life. And usually, it begins with a question that God asks. They paraphrase it different ways, but basically, it boils down to God saying, what have you done with the life I've given you? What have you done with the life I've given you? 
And the people report that that question is not said in a judgmental, condemning kind of way. Everything is said and done in love. But it's intended, they say, to get them to look at and reflect upon their lives. And what they experience many times is a panoramic, three-dimensional reliving of major events in their lives. For some, it's just particular instances. But they say it's like you're watching yourself go through life again. But you're not just experiencing what you thought and felt, but also what the other people thought and felt as well. And it has a dramatic effect on these people. Now, this is exactly what Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. See, these were religious hypocrites. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Jesus is saying you can't hide anything from God. And like we talked about last week, you don't need to because God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I mean, there is no one who understands you and gets you more. There is no one who is more for you. But what Jesus said is God looks at the secret thoughts and even the motives. Take a look. Jesus says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. And then he says, so pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Now that's important because notice it's the attitude of the heart that God is looking at. Is there a willingness? Are you seeking God? Are you open to what God is trying to convey? That is what's most important. Whether you're really seeking God and trying to learn about God and listen to what God says, or you're really denying God and just living for yourself. You know, Paul Ojeda found out that's a dangerous way to live, just to live for yourself. But it's an even more dangerous way to die. Watch this. Plate full of cocaine. I, I have an overdose. I am not high. I am uh, definitely know what's going on and where I'm at. Um, and I'm shocked because I'm just like, what happened? And that's when I realized I died. And so as I'm going down, the next thing that comes to my head is, oh my God, I, I died and I'm going to hell. I start to tell the Lord, well, I think there's some kind of mistake here because, you know, I've, I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank. I've never done anything major that I think, you know. I'm making all these justifications why I don't deserve hell. It seems like it starts going faster and faster. And so when I realize that there's nothing I can do to turn it around, I get to this place of desperation where I cry out to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes down and I feel the presence of God. I knew because there was a sense of peace that came down right beside me. And he says, Paul, what have you done with the life that I've given to you? I know what Adam felt like to stand before the Lord and be totally exposed and naked before God because every thought, every motive, every intention, before I even thought it, he knew what I was thinking. As I'm trying to figure out what the right answer is before I could answer, my life flashes in front of me 
as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. And everything I had did in secret and open, good or bad, everything, every detail of my life was flashing right before me. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life, every, every detail, every moment. And at this point, I was about 30 years old. And so from birth all the way up till this point, you know, God was just revealing to me what my life looked like to Him. I was now looking outside in and getting God's view of my life. It was only then that I realized how selfish I was. And so it was only then that I realized uh, I didn't give God glory, honor. Um, it was at that point that I realized that uh, how I, I didn't have any relationship with God. What a sinful man that I was. I had done nothing with this thing, this precious thing called life that God gave me. I had done nothing for Him with it. And so it was at that point that I, I began to think to myself, you know, God is not wrong in sending me to hell. It was at that point that I realized that God was just in His actions and sending me to hell. I, I couldn't weasel my way out of this one. I couldn't come up with an excuse. You know, the truth was before me. And it was probably the saddest moment in my entire life. And so at that point, I began to tell the Lord, I feel like there was a change of heart in me. It was at that point that I, I said, God, um, I don't even want to come back for me. Matter of fact, if you want to send me to, um, to hell, it's okay. But I don't want anybody to come to this place. Absolutely nobody. Bam, I wake up and uh, I'm in the hospital with the IVs. Hmm. And I look over to my side and I see Lillian. And I tell her, I said, I found that God you've been telling me about. Hmm. And I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to hell. I said, from this point forward, I said, I'm going to serve him. And folks, that's what Paul has done. Paul came back from this near-death experience and he started seeking God. He came to faith in Jesus. He got baptized. And now at the time of this NDE, he was living on a golf course in Houston, Texas, had a very successful plumbing business there. But one day he got to talking to some of his relatives and friends in Austin, Texas. And these were people who were addicts and dealing in drugs and exotic dancers. And he started sharing with them what he learned about the God of light and love. And many of them came to put their faith in Jesus. So Paul ended up selling his business in Houston and restarted his business in Austin, Texas. And he still has a successful business here in the Austin area. But he's also a part-time pastor of one of the largest Hispanic churches in Austin. I've met the guy personally. I can tell you this. He is on fire for the Lord. And I know that Paul would tell you this. Don't wait for the life review to live openly and honestly before God and to let God look at your life with you. Live right now in this moment for what matters the most. Now, I need to pause here to make something absolutely clear. There's a difference between living for God, doing good things here on earth, and having a relationship with God. You know, many people have a relationship with God. They believe in Jesus, but they're not living for Him. And what Paul Ojeda realized when he came back is that a relationship with God is a free gift. 
that you get by putting your faith in Jesus. You don't have to earn that. In fact, you can't earn that. Jesus said it best in John 5, 24. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. You see, a relationship with God is free for all who want it. You don't have to earn it and you won't get cast out from God's presence because of the wrong things you've done in this life. Jesus paid for those 2,000 years ago so that anyone who recognizes they need forgiveness can get it freely. How? By saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm trusting that you paid for my sins on the cross, that you give forgiveness and eternal life freely. That's it. It's not by works, it's by faith. And anybody who wants a relationship with God can accept the gift that he's given. And the second you put your faith, your trust in Jesus, you are adopted into his heavenly family and you'll never be disowned no matter what you do or don't do in life. Now, hell on the other hand, as we'll talk about in a few weeks, is the only place where God stays out. When people don't want God in their lives and they don't believe in Jesus for forgiveness, Eventually, God says, okay, your will be done. Now, Paul Ojeda got what appears to be a second chance, but this is important to realize. The Bible never teaches you get a second chance after you fully die. The Bible actually says the opposite. So none of these people have fully died. Paul had a second chance because he hadn't fully died. It's why we call them near-death experiences. And all these people who have these experiences say there was a border, a boundary that they knew they couldn't cross and still come back. And that's why they still have a chance to cry out to God. But that's all it takes, a simple cry of faith in Jesus. Now, let me clarify something here. Some people misunderstand the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. A few people who have experienced this life review have come back and said, hey, there is no judgment because God is love and he was loving me. I was judging myself. And so all I need to do is just not be so harsh with myself. It's all good. Well, that's a misunderstanding because there is still a judgment and it makes a difference. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, for by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. See, this is what people say they experience in the life review. They know the truth. It's their own words that testify to what is true. You don't get into heaven any other way than through faith in Jesus. And the moment you exercise that faith, the Bible says your name is recorded in the book of life forever. But there's something else that bothers me that I think sometimes gives Jesus a bad name. It's when Christians get right with God by accepting his free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And at that point, they know they're going to heaven. They have what we sometimes jokingly call fire insurance. They know they're not going to hell. And that's true. But then many Christians don't think their deeds, what they do, matter at all. Folks, nothing could be farther from the truth. You know, relationship with God is a free gift from God. But what you do with that life and relationship is your gift back to God. And your experience in this life is far more continuous with the life to come than you realize. In other words, what you do here, you take with you. It goes on or it doesn't. Your deeds follow you and they affect your life to come. 
See, there are rewards in heaven that affect the quality of your eternal life. That's why Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. See, there are different levels of treasures in heaven based on how you live your life here on earth. And the life review kind of reminds us of that. So live for what matters most. Now you may say, how do I know what matters the most? Well, Jesus was once asked that question. Somebody once said, Jesus, what is the greatest, the most important commandment? And in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he said, a second is equally important. In other words, you can't really do the first without doing the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. So first, you've got to love yourself, right? Recognize that God loves you and then you can accept that fact and then it gives you the ability then to turn around and love other people and do that in God's name for God. He goes on to say the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, in other words, the whole Bible are based on these two commandments. Now, here's something amazing to me. When you look at thousands of these near-death experiences from all around the globe, doesn't matter what religious background or culture people are coming from, when they have this life review in the presence of God, they always come back knowing two things. God is love. And how we treat one another, how we love one another, is what matters most in this life. Howard Storm, who was an atheist college professor that you met last week, he cried out to Jesus in what began as a hellish near-death experience, and Jesus rescued him from that. But then Jesus took Howard aside in the presence of angels, and Howard had a life review. Now, here's what's fascinating to me. In 1 Peter 1.12, it says that angels are looking in and watching our lives. The Bible says it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. And I believe the angels may be writing these books in heaven. Check this out. Howard, tell us about this life review that you had. There was a number of angels, I call them angels, who had been recording my entire life, all my life, and Jesus wanted them to play out in chronological order, the scenes of my life. And the entire emphasis was on my interaction with other people. Of course, initially starting out with my mother and father and my sisters and then, you know, school and friends and um, So you just, you saw it or you We saw it, we felt it. it, we experienced it. It was really interesting because it was, um, the whole emphasis was on people and not on things. Matter of fact, there were some instances where um, I had uh, won promotions, honors, awards, and they skipped them. And Jesus, I said to Jesus, uh, you're skipping the most important thing in my life. This is what I live for to get this award, Kentucky Artist of the Year. Big banquet in my honor and a big cash prize and everything. And uh, he said, that's not what we're here for you to see. That's not important. What I want you to see is how you treated the students. So what I learned in my life review was that um, the um, relationship with my father, I had participated in the breakdown of that relationship as much as he did. 
He was not a good father to me, and I resented it, and I was angry at him, so I did everything I could subconsciously and sometimes consciously to be as rebellious and as cold-hearted towards him as possible, which only aggravated him more and made him more of a hostile father. So the things that I had seen in my life that where I was the victim and everybody else was the bad guy, I came to find out. Um, it was a two-way street. We were both the plaintiff's game. As my life progressed from my adolescence into my adulthood, I saw myself turning completely away from God, church, all that, and becoming um, a person who decided that life was all about um, the biggest, baddest bear in the woods wins. And now I began to experience Jesus and the angels literal pain. What do you mean? Emotional pain with watching scenes in my life. And like, here's the nicest, kindest, most loving being I've ever met, who I realize is my Lord, my Savior, even my Creator, holding me and supporting me, trying to um, give me more understanding of my life. And it was figuratively, not literally, like I was like stabbing him in the heart as we're watching this stuff. And the last thing I wanted to do was to hurt him. And I don't want to hurt him to this day. Uh, Jesus is a very feeling man. God is a very feeling creator. What were you seeing played out? I saw scenes where um, my sister was in bed crying and I got up in the middle of the night and went in and put my arms around her and hugged her. And Jesus and the angels were so filled with joy that I had been willing to do that, to try and um, you know, help her a little Comfort bit in her grief. But those were rare, the, uh, the scenes of my indifference. Just seeing, seeing people as objects in order to maneuver around through or you know, to shift to further my, my goals and my ambitions. You see, a relationship with God is God's gift to us. But our lives, how we live from that moment on is our gift back to God. And you know, when you get to know God's character, you want to please him. Because like Howard said, God feels. I don't think we truly believe that, but God feels deeply. He is an emotional God. And it's not just Howard that said this. The Jewish prophet Isaiah back in 780 BC wrote the same thing in Isaiah 63. This is amazing. Listen to how God reveals himself as Father, Son, Savior, and Holy Spirit who feels things. It says, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, he said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. He wants to be a father to children. And so he became their savior. You know the word Jesus, that literally means savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So you see this Father, Son, Savior, Holy Spirit, this God who feels. It's written all over this passage. It talks about how God desires children who will be faithful to Him. And He's distressed when you're distressed. And in your trials and troubles, He carries you along. But it grieves His Holy Spirit when you or I rebel against Him. Friends, this is the reason to want to follow God and not sin. Not to avoid punishment, not to prove you're good, but because God loves you and you love him and you don't want to do anything to disrupt the flow of that love and joy between the two of you 
You don't want to hurt him. And we bring him great joy, like Howard said, when we do things that are aligned with his will. And it hurts him when we turn and rebel against him. But it's important to understand this life review, it's not just a rubbing your face in your mistakes. In fact, one of the things that happens in the life review for those who have accepted God's forgiveness for Christians, they see their mistakes, but then they're just overwhelmed by God's love and grace, how Jesus has washed all those sins away. But on the flip side, the life review for many, it's a praise. It's feeling wonderful about the way they lived their life and what they did and the impact they had. God, you see, is a rewarding God. Jesus told us this, Matthew 16. When the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with the angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. You see, this life review is also a preview of heaven's award ceremony. In fact, Paul talks about it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time, Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. This life review is a reminder that God wants to praise you. He wants to reward you. Every little unseen thing, those things that don't count in the world's eyes, count in God's eyes. Every little act of kindness, every little unseen motive that you did out of a desire to please God, when you do the right thing, even though it hurts you, every bit of money you give to God for His work to help people, every little thing, God will one day show you that those things brought Him great joy. And He promises to reward you for it. You know, Jesus said that near the end of time, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, Jesus says, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then Jesus said, the righteous will say to him, well, when did we see you, Jesus? When did we do these things for you? And the king will say, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's exactly what Howard said. God feels what we do toward each other and for one another. And he can't wait to reward us when we do those things out of a love for him and a desire to love and serve others. You know, Dr. Mary Neal had Jesus show her not only those acts of kindness that she did, those various acts that affected those people right around her, but also the ripple effect throughout humanity. And Jesus also showed her in her life review the truth of this passage in Romans 8.28, that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Listen to what Dr. Neal says. You did go through a life review and it was nothing like I would have imagined. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And one of the things we did was look at many, many, many events throughout my life that I would have otherwise called terrible or horrible or sad or bad or tragic. And instead of looking at an event in isolation or looking at how it impacted me and my little world, I had the most remarkable experience of seeing the ripple effects of the event 
when seen 25, 30, 35 times removed. The impact an event had on me, on my little world, but then also on other people in the world. And looking at how an event that I would have said was bad changed me and changed others such that again and again and again I was shown that indeed it's true that beauty comes of all things. Mm. And it was really a, a life-changing experience. We can look at events or obstacles or setbacks in our own life that happened 10 years ago. Now you lose a job and you're devastated, but you look back 10 years and you're so grateful mm -hmm. because loss of that job set you up for the next opportunity. And it was uh, remarkable to be shown so many times the truth of that verse, the truth of God's promise that there really is beauty that comes from all things. So we were talking about these events and Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at what it did. Look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. And the reality is that we are here for a reason. We are here to learn and grow and change and help others do the same. And we don't have much time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we need to be- Scripture says make the most of every opportunity for the days we, that are evil. Absolutely, we need to be about God's business yeah. every moment of every day. One of the things that changed for me very dramatically is, and I believe it can change anyone's life, is that if you accept that there's life after death, and then even more so if you accept the rest of God's promises, but if all you do is accept that there really is continued existence after death, it changes the way you see today. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, every day matters, every moment matters, every choice, every decision, it matters. It matters. Every choice, every decision. One day, God is gonna show you how those had a ripple effect throughout humanity, that God used your life for good. You see, you have a purpose. He has a purpose for you being here. And friends, you may feel like, well, it can't be that I'm living out my purpose because it's going so poorly. Or it doesn't seem to be going the way you would expect it to go. Well, it's true that life doesn't always go the way we expect. But God still uses all those unexpected twists and turns when we follow him, when we seek to live out our purpose. Now, you may say, well, how do I know my purpose? All right. You ready? Because I'm going to tell you how to know it. Because God has told us. First, love God. Love God. And second, love the people around you, starting with your own family. I mean, not just your children, spouse, mom, dad, even those relatives you can't stand, right? That's part of what God is trying to teach us and do through us. And then the other way you live your purpose is you realize your life is unique. You have been given unique gifts, unique resources, unique experiences, both good and bad. And God will take all of those as you offer them to him. And he will show you how to use them to serve humanity. And as you use your uniquenesses to love God by serving and loving the people around you, you will fulfill your purpose. Doesn't matter if you're also working as a CEO or doctor, mechanic, lawyer, janitor, whatever your job is. You can either miss your purpose or you can live out your purpose.
faithfully. Because what God is looking for is how faithful are you to him with what he's given you? We can all succeed in that. You know, Randy Kay was a very successful CEO. He was on the cover of Time magazine when he had a pulmonary embolism that killed him. In his near-death experience, he was embraced by Jesus. And Jesus gave him a life review. And every time he talks about it, he says, it's as real today as it was then. And it's overwhelming, the joy, the love that he felt. But Jesus told him he had to go back. And he actually argued with Jesus. He said, but I don't want to go back. And Jesus said, no, you have a purpose. And Randy learned something about how to discover his purpose that I think can help all of us. Check this out. It was all alive and vibrant, but I just was so immersed in the presence of Jesus. I, I didn't have to say, don't leave me. He knew, he knew I was thinking it though. And he said, I won't. I won't. Never. Never. And I said, why am I going back? Because I knew my children would be taken care of. I knew everything would be taken care of. I knew he loved them more than me. I knew that everything was good. And he said, because of your purpose. I said, tell me my purpose then. I want to know what it is. And he said, I won't tell you your purpose. I'm going to return you. And your purpose will be revealed one moment at a time. Because if I were to reveal your purpose in full, you would not be dependent upon me. You would be dependent upon yourself and your understanding. But my purpose for you will be revealed at the very time that you need it. And I, and I pleaded with him, please tell me, please, I'm leaving paradise. I don't wanna go. And, and he reiterated that. And he said, I love you. The first time I heard anyone say, I love you, it was actually love. And uh, he said, trust me, your purpose, that's why you're going back and there are others praying for you. And I heard this beautiful music and then I woke up. What Jesus told Randy, Jesus has already told you. He has a purpose for you and you can fulfill it but you gotta follow him moment by moment. He doesn't tell you because you and I would get way out ahead of him. Jesus said this on his last night here on earth, John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Okay, that means you'll fulfill your purpose. It's like a branch connected to the tree trunk. Just stay connected and the fruit will grow naturally. He says, for apart from me, you can do Nothing. Okay, you can't fulfill your purpose disconnected from the God who created you. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. 
It's not hard to live out your purpose so that when you stand before God that day and you see that movie of your life replay, it'll be a great joy and a great reward for a life well lived. So how do you do it? Well, real simply, you can live your purpose this way. First, learn about God daily. Get into the Bible, learn about what God's already revealed, about his character, his promises. Join us each week as we're learning together about God. Maybe get in a small group here at Hill Country because we're trying to help each other learn about God so that we can do the second thing, which is learn to walk with God daily. See, God created you for a relationship to walk with him from now all the way into eternity. And that starts by saying little prayers to God throughout the day. Just invite him in, just a few seconds here and there, inviting God to be with you in whatever you're doing. God, be with me in my job here, schoolwork, sports, hobbies. And then pay attention to see how God starts to work on your behalf and open up opportunities around you. And pay attention because God can also give us promptings, right? There are these thoughts in our minds and we have to learn how to listen and discern those things, right? And then respond willingly. That's what obedience is. And if you want to learn a little more about how to experience this intimate daily walk with God, John Burke has written another book called Soul Revolution. It's a good guide to help you learn how to hear and respond to God. But then when you turn away from God, okay, if you sin, if you fail, don't just stay there. Don't hide it. Don't pretend he doesn't know. Just admit it, confess it, and then turn back and thank him. Because 2,000 years ago on a cross, he died for that. He paid for every sin, every mistake, every failure, so that it wouldn't disconnect you from him. So thank him for that. Turn back and try to stay connected even better for the next hour. If you do that, you will live your purpose. Because God promises that he is with you and he will guide you. And then one more thing to do is to serve others daily. Just get in the habit of praying, God, show me one person that I can serve today, one person that I can love today. If you'll do that, you'll start to reorient yourself even as you go through your work, whatever your job is, you know, CEO, working in a hotel, wherever you work, whatever you do, he will show you how you can do that. And through all that you are and all that you have and all that you do, you will live out your purpose. And one day, your life review will be a great reward. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that you have not made it difficult. We don't have to work hard to prove ourselves in order to have a relationship with you. In fact, we couldn't do that even if we tried. We all fall short of your perfect standard. And so we thank you that your son Jesus did all the work for us on the cross and that his forgiveness and eternal life is a free gift received by faith and faith alone. So we trust you, Jesus. We believe that your promises are true and we embrace that promise of forgiveness and eternal life by faith. God, for all of us who have put our trust in you, since you have loved us so much, we want to give our lives back to you by serving you. And that means loving you by, by loving others. 
so that one day it'll bring you great joy to show us how you used every little act and all the gifts and resources you gave us to change humanity, to create a ripple effect of love throughout the people we encounter in our lives and even beyond. And God, we pray that that's what you would do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.